Welcome to the Emily Osmond Show, your place to learn how to market yourself online, find your tribe and grow a business doing the work you love on your terms. As a blogger, presenter and marketing mentor, I understand the ups and downs that come with putting ourselves out there and running our own show. This podcast is here to take you behind the scenes and share the strategies to help you succeed. So let's get into the show. Welcome back to the show. Now, I want to start off by saying thank you so much for, first of all, listening, and then also sending me the lovely messages over Instagram about the different episodes you're really enjoying, for telling your friends about this podcast, and for leaving reviews. And all of this is helping so much, and it's so exciting to see that this podcast is sitting within the top marketing podcasts in Australia, in the top business podcasts, and I'm so grateful to you for helping and just for supporting the show as well. So let me read out a couple of the latest reviews. And by the way, if you haven't left a review, it would be awesome if you could write a written review in Apple Podcasts, which is probably possibly where you're listening, depending on your device. Just scroll down over all the podcast episodes to where you see the ratings and review section, tap write a review and you can leave yours there. And you can also tell me a little bit about your business in the caption for a shout out. So let's hear it for the lovely Ashley, who is actually one of my students inside the Modern Marketing Collective. And she's on Instagram as Hello Ashley Studio. And it's quite a long review. So I'm just going to summarize a few different points here. But she said that she's loving the podcast. She was drawn to the bubbly and encouraging nature of it. And that it's the most helpful insights when it comes to Instagram, super specific. And the results of implicating my techniques and understanding Instagram as a platform speak for themselves. And she says that as a freelance graphic designer, she's taking so much out of the podcast. And as we all know, there's a lot of information out there. So if anyone's looking for good and helpful content, look no further. And she says that from listening to the podcast, I've joined Emily's community, the incredible Modern Marketing Collective. And she says she's not normally the type of person to leave reviews or even join a program as she's very skeptical, but she says that she honestly can't rate me enough. So thank you so much, Ashley. And also to Linda, another of my lovely students inside the Modern Marketing Collective. And Linda is from The Flying Lamb. And you need to go and check out Linda's beautiful knits over on Instagram. And Linda says, friendly and practical, the perfect podcast for female business owners looking for practical techniques and directions to improve their Instagram marketing. She's loving working through the tips and improving her feed every day and the conversations with guests has really added a healthier, more rounded understanding of what happens in other businesses. Turns out I'm not alone and you're certainly not Linda and I'm looking forward to bringing another uh, interview actually to the podcast today, which is rather a good segue. So joining me on the podcast today is Angela Henderson and she's a business coach for women. She's a keynote speaker and also a podcaster. She helps business owners from around the world get to consistent five-figure months and multiple six-figure years without burning out in the process. She says that she honed her skills at the helm of Finley and Me, and she learned everything from branding, PR, sales funnel, email marketing, website, copy, SEO, and more, which I think as business owners, we can all relate to. We wear all the hats, don't we? And Ange says that she knows what it truly takes to have a strong brand, consistent sales, steady growth, and all over dedication. So today, 
Today, Ange is going to be sharing her seven profit pillars that really underpin business success. So sit back or go on that walk, whatever you're doing, and let's hand it over to Ange. All right, Ange, well, welcome to the show. First of all, I'm excited to have you here. For those listening that haven't heard of you before, could you please introduce yourself? Yes, I'd love to. Thanks so much for having me. So my name is Ange. I'm from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm a business consultant, speaker, and podcaster working specifically with women in business to get the strategy they need to grow sustainable and profitable businesses. And I do that through my one-to-one consulting. I do that through my six-month mastermind. I do that through my 12-month group coaching program. And I also run Australia's leading four-day, three-night women in business retreat. So yeah, so that's a little bit about me. You're not very busy, Ange. (laughs) Not very, but again, that's probably, again, I do have ADHD. So it's the way my brain works. There's always something I got to be doing because if not, do you know what I mean? Boredom does kick in. Yeah. I, I know a few people. Uh, that sound like you. I think I live with one of them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so and I'm excited to have you here today. You're going to be sharing the seven profit pillars for successful business. And I know that before we kick off, you've actually got a few of the common mistakes that people can make. So we might get started and go straight into them. So I'll hand over to you to um, kick off with those, Ange. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. So one of the things that I've seen in a decade of being in business, because my first business was an e-commerce platform where we focused on creating childhood memories through play, love and travel. And then through there, what I found was, is that I started to see some of the common mistakes that I was making. And then as I ran into the role as business consultant, I also started to see these things come about. So before we jump into seven profit pillars, I think it's important that we kind of talk about the elephant in the room. And one of the things, you know, one of the real reasons I see small businesses struggle to survive is that they're lacking the clarity on what actions to take. They're jumping from Google to YouTube and they're trying to stitch you know, something together. And it is a sure shot recipe for overwhelm and confusion. And then they're like just chasing their tail like you know those hamster wheels. They're going around and around and around. So I guess the number one reason that I see businesses fail is they're lacking clarity. So the quicker you can get the clarity you need in your business, the easier it is going to be in order to grow and scale and do what you want to do and you know stay true to the reason why you went into business. The second reason why I see businesses fail is that they're going like that whole shiny object syndrome. And it's kind of like that game I talk about Subway Surf. I don't know if you've ever played it before where you've got to collect all the gold coins. Um, again, I could be because I'm doing you know, I've got two small kids and they love it, <laughs> but it's this game and you're like on the surfboard and you've got to collect all these gold coins, but the coins are everywhere. So you're moving really fast and you're trying to get these coins, but you're and you're rushing from one shiny gold coin to the other. You're constantly in that game getting distracted. Like shit is real. You're just like, do I look yeah. here? Do I look look here. You're not focused on anything. And that's what I see a lot of entrepreneurs when they're starting to, again, you know, one of the reasons why they fail is that they're just going from shiny object to shiny object. And again, the, the problem that I see is just like in Subway Surf is that it's a real possibility that they're going to crash hard because again, they're putting all this energy from one thing to the next, but they're getting nowhere, right? So they're either burning their budget, they're burning their brain power, they're burning out. And so, yeah. So again, if you can avoid the shiny object syndrome and if you can, you know, avoid lack in that clarity, you're going to really, you know, have a, you're going to be further along the journey than so many other people. The number three reason that I see small businesses fail to survive is that they treat social media as a safety net. I don't know how many conversations I have every single week where people are still dependent on the social media platforms in order to have a successful business. So they don't even have a website. 
they are at the mercy of the algorithms with, you know, very well with Instagram, you know, even Google changing, you've got Facebook changing, and it is a dangerous game that businesses are playing. So the sooner businesses can understand that they need to, as our, you know, we both get coached by James Tremco, but, but as James says about owning your own race course, the sooner you can start building your assets off of social media, the less likely you are, do you know what I mean, to be one of the reasons why businesses fail. And that's why I see people coming to me. <laughs> Often they'll say, oh, I just want to get lots of social media followers. Like, how can I get more followers? And what I actually focus on is I'm like, you know, that actually isn't so important. What you need to do is use your social media, like you said, Ange, to grow your own assets, such as actually learning how you can use what I teach Instagram to grow your email list too. So thank you yes. for thank you for pointing that out as well. I had a discovery call the other day with this. Uh, actually, I, I do work with men in business, but they're not my primary ideal client. But this particular gentleman rang me and said, oh, I heard you speak over on like Traffic and Conversions podcast a couple of weeks ago about challenge marketing. And he was talking about hitting six figures with Facebook ads. And I said, that's great. I said, but where else are you your referral pathways coming from? And he goes, oh no, only Facebook. And I said, okay. I said, that's great. But I said, I hear and see Facebook accounts literally getting shut down where you can no longer advertise. What's your SEO strategy look like? Like, what's your sales funnel look like? How are you growing your email list? And he's like, I don't have that. You know, I'm not saying that you don't put it as a component of your business, but don't use it as your safety net. Don't put all of your eggs in the one basket or else it is a sure recipe, again, that you're going to sink, right? And the fourth one that I see businesses, fourth real reason why I see small businesses struggle to survive is that they continue to do it alone. They, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. the, those Instagram memes that are saying, push harder, do you know what I mean? Hustle harder. Yeah. Uh, you can do it. But the fact is going it alone is only going to take you so far. So in my opinion... I, I do like the saying is your net work equals your net worth. All right. Mm -hmm. And I know for a fact with the, you know, masterminds that I've been in and the traveling that I've done is the minute I stopped doing it alone, everything else changed. My motivation changed. My mindset went from kind of that fixed, you know what I mean? And I'm not super hard fixed mindset, but just a little bit wobbly, right? Mm -hmm. In those beginning years to being able to have that safe and supportive community. They weren't only like people aren't there just to lift me up during that time when I'm there, but those relationships are then made forever. So even now, like, again, I went to the Philippines for a mastermind with Chris Decker a few years ago. And I just remember the very first day we were all in the swimming pool in the Philippines talking about business and drinking mojitos. <laughs> those guys are still my friends now, four years on, right? So all I'm saying is, is don't do it alone because if you do it alone, you're either going to burn out, you're sink, you're going to give up, you know, and it's not what you need to do. You need to be thinking about how can you succeed. And it can be isolating when you, when you run your own business, can't it? It can very much feel like you're alone. But like you said, I think going to events and putting yourself out there a bit can make such a difference. It's so powerful and it's the best feeling to have a, a bit of a network of people, you know, you can reach out to. 100%. And it's just like, again, you know, just times change, technology changes, things happen with family, you know, and a lot of times people in our family and friends, they don't understand what our business does. That, to be honest, they don't give two rips when we go out to dinner with them and talk about the business. So you need to be able to speak with people that do understand your business model, do understand what it's like doing, you know, staying up late some night. I'm not saying that again, you hustle to the bone because I do believe hustling is a bit of a misconception. and I think it leads to burnout, but I do think again, most family members and friends don't understand, you mean, the entrepreneurial life and what that looks like. So again, don't do it alone if you don't need to. 
Well, I'm excited now to dive into these seven profit pillars, Ange. Can you take us through them, please? So yes, no, I'd love to. So I guess the, one of the things is, is I'm all about building the foundational elements that businesses need in order to grow and scale. And the analogy I use is that of the three little pigs, is that most businesses that come to me have a business made of hay or a business made of straw. The structure is there, but things are super wobbly because they don't have the foundations under them to support them through good months and bad months. So I'm really a big believer is that the sooner you can start to lay the bricks to your business, all right, the better off you're going to be because things like now at time of recording with the coronavirus, all right, those businesses that are made of bricks, they will get through this, all right, because they've either got money saved, for example, they understand where their profit margins are, etc. what we're going to talk about here shortly. So again, the sooner you can lay those foundational elements and build these bricks with these profit pillars, it's going to be much easier for you to be sustainable and profitable, you mean, know, in a different time. So profit pillar number one is I call it the perfect profit, perfect profit (laughs) profile. I know it's a little bit of a tongue twister there. It's a very good tongue twister. I like it. (laughs) And what I talk about is understanding your why understanding your values and understanding your ideal client. Because if you don't understand your core values, it's going to be very hard to understand what you want to do in business and why you're in business and what motivates you to stay in business. And again, your core values are also things that are going to be infused within your Instagram content. I'm sure you would see that all the time with your clients. So the quicker you understand your own perfect profit profile with what ticks you, what makes you, do you mean excited? What doesn't make you excited? Understanding those core values, but equally understanding your own ideal client is going to be able to help you grow your business. If you don't understand you, you don't understand your ideal client, and you also don't understand what product you're going to offer. Because again, I'm a firm believer is you can't polish a turd. Okay. If you don't understand these three things, it is going to leave you already rocky and your foundation ready to crumble. So profit pillar number one is all about building your perfect profit profile and understanding those key elements. And Ange, on that one, I get asked this a lot as well in terms of ideal client. And I say, you know, it's something that will evolve and become a lot clearer once you actually start working with people. Is that something that you agree with or what's your kind of advice to people who are like, how do I figure out who my ideal client is? we're always evolving, right? So just when you think you know your ideal client, you might bring on a new product and you might have two, an ideal client primary and a secondary ideal client, right? But I think it's important that you understand, are you working, are you servicing male or female? I'll give you an example with Finley and me. I was focusing on creating childhood memories through play, love and travel. And I sold over 1400 different products that focused on creating, you know, um, like fine motor skill development and the spark imagination, color recognition, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But I also love Nutella. I also love to have a mojito here and there. You would okay? both and on the Nutella front just quietly. So yes, I love, <laughs> I love it. I also breastfed, but I also bottle fed. All right. I, So what I'm saying here is, is when I started focusing, I was like, my product appeals to all mothers, right? And then the the thing is, is I started posting stuff about Nutella and some people didn't like that I was posting things about Nutella. And then it became clear that no, I'm actually not targeting all mothers. And that's okay because everyone has what they like and they don't like. But I knew right away that I wasn't just an eco-friendly e-commerce platform where I only had organic 
wood from, I don't know, the Amazon, right? Where everything, like, you know, it wasn't that extreme. So I knew that I, again, by understanding that my ideal client was a mom who also liked to drink, I knew I could, some of the content I could joke about a cheekier. You haven't anyone in the cover drinking wine, right? But if I didn't understand that, okay, then I could potentially post the wrong content. But that also goes back M, to understanding me and what my values are and who I am as a person, right? So through that profit pillar, number one is I'm confident in what I like and what I love. And from that, I can then start to understand what my ideal client likes. And through that, I then marry up great content to do the mean to get in front of that audience. So do you ideally know who people is right from the beginning? No, but you do still need to narrow it down. All right. It can't be all women. And then what happens is it's like a fishing net. Like when I was in Vietnam, for example, they still um, have the beautiful old fishing nets that they kind of like throw out there. And the further you throw, the more fish you typically get in and then you bring those fish in, right? But then those fishermen, they then start to take some of the fish out because they're too small or whatever. It's similar with understanding your ideal client. You, do you mean go wider and as you are in business longer and longer, that net gets smaller and smaller and you start to hone in on who your ideal client is. It's kind of like niching. So you so you still need to understand a little bit, but just know that the process is always evolving. I've got one more question, Andrew, before we move on. Should you make uh, the values of your ideal client, should these match yours? Basically, should you or is there like a case where you wouldn't line up what your values are with kind of what you were putting out there and your ideal clients? What I've typically found is my ideal client is very similar to me. And so a lot of times when people go through my ideal client, uh, it's like a 10 page workbook that I give to my new clients, right? Is that they're like, and this sounds a lot like me. Am I doing it wrong? And I'm like, no, you understand your values and what you stand for. So of course this person, do you know what I mean? It's like, even from like, you know, where they like, what was their last purchases? Sounds like me. I was on Amazon, do you know what I mean? Ordering this, or I was at this, you know what I mean? Ordering the Nutella brownies from here. Like, is that normal? And it's absolutely yes. Because again, if you don't understand you, then how are you going to understand that ideal client? So it makes perfect sense that a lot of times those two, do you know I mean, identities are very similar to each other. Be mindful too that, like I said, you can always have a second ideal client too. All right. And the reason why I say that is with Finley and me, I was at the movie theater one day and I was walking down as the movie exited and there's this man there with two little girls and he just was like staring at me. It was like really kind of uncomfortable feeling. And so as you walk down the stairs, they should have already been like exiting in front of us. But he stayed there and he goes, you're the lady from the internet. And I was like, oh damn, that internet, it's a big place. And then my little one, Finley, who the business was named after, he's like, yeah, my mom owns Finley and me. She named it after me. And he goes, yes, that's it. And he goes, you wrote that blog article last week about just because I smile doesn't mean I'm not depressed. It was when I was going through some depression and anxiety. And I said, yes, that was me. And he goes, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for encouraging me to book an appointment with my doctor, but equally thank you for having an outlet for my kids because my wife left me and Finley and me gave me an opportunity to understand what I could be doing to creating memories with my child. So the thing there is, is like, I'm not targeting dads. All right. I was targeting moms. It didn't mean that my material and content wasn't applicable to them, but my language and my voice and even my colors do mean was more feminine. All right. So never underestimate that you could have someone else that's in there and that's okay too. So some people think they only can have one ideal client. I think it's important to understand that you might start to see a couple of them start to surface, but you're still choosing one because you still need to have your core messaging, et cetera. And also people, 
people get worried, I think, that when they start niching that they're going to have no one buy from them. But like you've just said, the more you niche, you know, your message becomes stronger, but you will still have these other people buying too. So that was a great example. Thank you. I'll say with niching, if you had a heart attack right now, would you go to your GP or would you go to a heart surgeon? Mm -hmm. The second one. You're going to the heart surgeon, right? Mm. So it will feel scary because that's the fear of the unknown. But if you can trust the process and if you know, again, your own values and what you stand for and what your ideal client is, and you've got a really cool product or service that will solve that problem, niching won't be a problem. But just like your ideal client, niching, I believe, happens over time. I don't think it necessarily is there from day one. And that's probably another whole episode. But yeah, I did do a podcast episode called To Niche or Not To Niche over at AngelaHenderson.com.au. You can listen to that more about niching. Yeah. Thanks, Ange. Awesome. All righty. So once you understand profit pillar one, which is, is your perfect profit profile, then we move to profit pillar number two, which is understanding your profit ready website. And my whole thing is, is again, your website can be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but it must not be just a pretty website. If you ever hear a graphic designer go, I can make you a pretty website, please just run. <laughs> you don't want a pretty website. You need a conversional yeah. website. Mm-hmm. So with profit pillar number two, you need a website that is going to do, I mean, within the first three to five seconds, that someone lands on your website, you need to be able to tell them what you do and how you can help them. All right. So you need to make sure that your messaging above the fold is very clear. You need to make sure that you've got a call to action to lead them to the number one thing that you want to sell. You want to make sure that you've got a juicy lead magnet on there. And again, that that's going to lead into your sales funnels. You need to make sure that your website is SEO optimized with short tail and long tail keywords, that it's got the copy there. So it's not just about a pretty website. You need it to be a conversional website. You need to be able so that when people land there, you take them on the journey from the beginning to the end. Again, it looks slightly different if you're an e-com business because you might have a lot of products, but it's the same thing. The layout of that website needs to be exceptionally conversional so that again, all they have to do is click, add to cart and check out. So if you don't have a conversional website, if it's not SEO optimized, if it doesn't have the messaging above the fold, it's so that people know within the first few minutes of what you do. Mm-hmm. If you don't have call to actions, I strongly encourage you to go back because your website is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And again, to go back to avoid that one mistake about being dependent on your social media, all right, uh, your website is going to make you least dependent. My website, for example, 42%, I was looking at my data at time of recording this Mm. morning, 42% of my traffic comes from Google because I've made it part of my overall business strategy and similar to what I do with my clients is SEO is key because in times right now where cost per lead on Facebook and algorithms and that, Mm. people are still finding me organically. So if I close down tomorrow, 41% of my traffic, I would still have traffic to my website. Mm -hmm. So again, I can't encourage you enough to think about profit pillar number two and making sure that you've got a profit ready website ready to rock and roll. That's a great point, Ange. And I think as well that, like you mentioned, the emphasis sometimes can be on, oh, you know, how great the website looks without any thought on the strategy behind it in terms of where you're guiding people, what actions you're asking people to take and also capturing their information. So I'm really glad you raised that. Thank you. And going into profit pillar number three is I call it the moneymaker map. I talk about it's really, really important to understand and focus your marketing energies that are going to deliver you the best ROI for your biz. So understanding again, you know, what do you need to sell your business? How are you going to convert traffic into sales? So again, are you going to offer some free content first, which might be in a blog or in a podcast, but then you're going to move them into say, like getting them on your email list and getting them into the funnel. You know, also in this profit pillar, it's important about to understand how does your consumer 
consume information. So often I'll say to people like, I'm going to start a blog. And I'm like, well, dude, does your ideal client like to read blogs? No, they love podcasts. Well, then why are you starting a blog? Because that's not going to be the biggest ROI for your business. So in order to make your money maker map, you need to be able to actually harness in and understand where your traffic's coming from, how you get them into the funnel and what goes on from there. Because without it, it's going to be extremely difficult. And again, going back to understanding how those consumers consume information and that your marketing energies are around that. If they're not sitting on Facebook and you're spending $10,000 a month on Facebook ads and your client's not even there, then your ROI is probably going to be minimal and you're going to get shitty because you don't understand why you're not making sales. <laughs> so some of this might sound super simplistic, but I can't tell you enough how so many times people miss these profit pillars and think just because someone else is doing Facebook ads, that's what I need to know. Well, if your ideal client is on LinkedIn, it might be better that you're, do you know what I mean? you're spending your marketing energies over on LinkedIn advertising. Absolutely. And what would be a first step for people to try and figure out where their audiences are? What would be kind of like a good action step for people to take? So if you have like say a Facebook group or if you have a blog or if you have a podcast or if you have an email list, even if it's small, I say survey your audience. Mm -hmm. Send them a super, e again, it can be an email with just like hit reply. You don't need SurveyMonkey or anything like that. You can use it or you could use a Google form. All of this stuff is minimal cost to nothing. But just send them, hi, I'm looking at, you know, creating some really juicy content. I was just wondering, how do you consume information? I this, love this, it. This, this, or this. Very or easy. do you mean what platform do you sit on the most? This, 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 or this. And if you don't have an email list or anything like that, and you're in Facebook groups, for example, I know in my Facebook community, the Australian Business Collaborative, there's about 6,200 members in there, and they ask questions all the time. Mm -hmm. Ask for help. Where do you consume? So if their ideal client is sitting in that, do you know what I mean, Facebook group, yeah. you know, use the free tools. Don't worry if you don't have an email list. The only worry is if you don't take action. Profit pillar number four is all about turbo power email list building. Ooh, Again, I cannot I like emphasize enough. If you do not have a list, it is going to be a detriment to your business. All right. So you need to be thinking about, do you have a lead magnet on your website? Do you have potentially, are you testing exit pop-ups? I'm all about testing things, right? If you have a podcast, do you have, do you know what I mean? Can you get people over to your email list there? If you have a blog, do you have content upgrades inside of your blog? All right. These are all different ways that you could be building your email list. Do you have a quiz on your website? So people take the quiz, you give them a result, they give you their email address, yes. right? Again, if you're being dependent on all those other organic strategies, which I think organic strategies are still necessary, but if you're being dependent on them and have all your eggs in a basket, you're going to run into problems. So profit pillar number four is all about building your email list in order to make sure that you've got your assets there in case shit goes down. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we can't emphasize that one enough, really. And something I see come up a bit is people feel, I think there's some mindset issues or challenges around people emailing their list. And I know people sometimes think, oh, I don't want to annoy people or surely people don't want to hear from me each week or, you know, I've got nothing to say. What do you say to some of these, I guess, some of this resistance people have to email marketing? I say, listen, do you want to have a business or do you want to go home? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, right? Like, that's, again, what do you want? Are you here to have a business? Or are you here to go home, Charlie? Really? Like, that's, I don't know. I don't know what else to say to that. Because my thing is, is like, I understand it's hard, but this is the thing. Or I get the, oh, I had 50 people unsubscribe. Good. You're doing your job then. Because get rid of the people who are lingering. You, it's much better to have a smaller email list with a hundred people who are going to buy from you than a thousand people that you're now paying to have them on your email subscription and they're never going to buy. 
screw them off. But if you don't email, then how are you going to ever make sales? I think when people start, they'll realize how powerful it is too. Exactly right. And like I said, it's just ripping the bandaid off. Like what's the worst case scenario? No one opens your email. Okay. Well, there's worse. People are dying as we speak, right? Like really what's the worst case scenario? What's the best case scenario? Shit. You just had 10 grand in sales. And they're like, oh, why didn't I do that earlier, yeah. right? <laughs> now, I'm not saying if you're going to be a sleaze master and you're going to be like sleazy sailing every single email, yeah, that's probably going to be a detriment, you know? There is an essence still, do you know what I mean? Like you can still provide offer to clients, right? You can still add value to their life and not just sell. It might just be that you're writing an email as a connector. Hey, you know, just back from my honeymoon and this is what I was doing, da da da, da. we had a great time relaxing, you know, add value that's relevant to them, right? Think of what your point of difference is, what makes you unique. You don't have to do what everyone else is doing, but if you are going to just be a sleazeball and sale all the time, then that's probably not going to be an advantage. So it is important that you still think about how you're emailing your list, what value are you adding to them? But my thing is, is just like, do you want to run a business or go home? So, you know, just email, I promise you, and you will have people leave you and it's okay because your buyers will still be here to buy from you. I love your straight talking. It's so good. All right. Number five, please. So number five is, again, if you've got this beautiful website and well, first of all, you got your values nailed, you've got your ideal client nailed, then you've got this beautiful website that you're bringing traffic to. You've got these amazing marketing, you know, blog articles, podcasts, whatever you're doing, you now have got them on your email list. And so like I had this one lady message me a few weeks ago, I've got like 15,000 people on my email list. I'm like, my eyes like pop out of my head. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is gold. When was the last time you emailed them? Six months ago. What? Oh gosh. What? No, don't. Like you're giving me heart failure, right? So my thing is this turbo, uh, is after you do profit pillar number four, right? Is that you go into profit pillar number five, which is you need to simplify sales funnels. You need to be able to take them from that list and put them through an email sequence, AKA a sales funnel, right? Take them on that journey to build trust authority, credibility, likeness, right? and then offer them. You really need to understand that, again, you've got to move those free subscribers from your freebie to your paid services without any sleaziness or pushiness. All right. So I can't emphasize enough. Just don't, you know, grab their emails and do nothing with them. You need to be starting at what is your sales funnel and what does that look like to move them forward? Yeah. One of the big mistakes I see people making too is just not emailing their list. And so they might have done their effort to actually get some subscribers on there. But then, like you said, it's months between emails. And by that point, they found someone else to work with, or they've forgotten who you are or why they even joined. And they probably are going to unsubscribe at that point. Or they put a block or they like, you know, you've got like a bad kind of rating with your email because they're like, who is this, you know, weirdo who's now messaging me a year later? Like, I don't even know who you are, right? So again, it is so important that once you get them to keep them active and once you keep them active, they're either there, they're going to leave. And like I said, it's okay either way. But yeah, it just reduces so much. But also you've got that potential to increase your profit margins and your revenue so much also by having those sales funnels. So profit pillar number five is all about simplified sales funnels. And Ange, just briefly, I don't know if, do you work with e-commerce style businesses? Maybe is there a strategy that you would use for them that might be slightly different in terms of maybe number of emails that you would send afterwards or that type of thing when you're in that sales funnel or the way that you operate that? So no, so so yes, I do work. So I've got a 60-40 split, 60% e-com businesses. I work with 40% service-based businesses. So I do work with both. And what I say again, is it's about adding value to both of those. All right. So again, you still bring them on your buyer's journey. But what the difference is though too, is though you're going to be selling products or it could be product of the week or whatever when you, in your weekly newsletter, it doesn't 
doesn't mean you don't add value. So one of the biggest compliments I used to get with Finley and me is your email isn't just selling to, you show photos of your kids, you show photos of your holidays, you talk to us about your depression and anxiety when you had it, you talk to us about the loneliness of motherhood. I was still having conversations within my email newsletter that was relevant to those moms that were opening up the email. And by building those relationships and talking about topics that were relevant and what they were going through, I was then able to sell to them without being sleazy, right? Or pushy. And they were more likely to buy because they already had a connection with me. So you can still have an e-commerce based newsletter every single week that's still product driven, but your first paragraph and your closing paragraph are still being human. That's all about human to human marketing, the experience and interaction one faces with a particular brand. And that is what is missing. Everyone thinks I just have to throw product out there. And I disagree. Find your unique point of difference, connect with your audience and you will have sales. And I can totally agree. And they're the emails that I do unsubscribe from when I am just getting the e-commerce emails that just have products. Because if I'm not in the market to buy. I'm just like, well, this gives me absolutely no value. It's so boring. So I, it's such a great tip to actually give value and tell some stories and share some great content there too. So perfect. Thank you. Profit pillar number six is all about your dream team. All right. Because here's the thing, as solopreneurs, you're only going to be able to do it for so long. And my whole thing is, is you have to be able to start thinking about what does your organizational business structure look like? What tasks do you love? kind of don't really love it, don't really hate. And what tasks do you start to hate? And, you know, start looking at outsourcing little by little, because as soon as you can start building your dream team, all right, which is profit pillar number six is again, you're going to see the growth. You're going to go from playing a little bit small, a little bit safe to growing a little bit bigger. All right. People get apprehensive about building their dream teams, but again, building your dream team could be hiring the Filipino for $7 an hour. Like I do with one of my businesses. And before people throw Nutella jars at me here, hear me out is the lady that I work with makes more money than her husband. She stays home with her child. All right. And is able to make, like I said, makes more money than her husband when she works with me. All right. So it might be $7 an hour, but that's what I could afford years ago. She's been with me now for four or five years. I now have upped her pay and I give her bonuses throughout the year. But what I'm saying is, is people have this assumption that you can't hire your dream team because it's not a local or you've got to spend 50 or $60. No, you don't have to do that. All right. So look at what tasks do you love, kind of love and hate and start looking about outsourcing those to whatever you can afford. Because once you can start to afford those, you're able to work more on your business versus in your business. And you will start to see your business grow quite rapidly. So that's profit pillar number six. And profit pillar number seven, this isn't something that people think about at the beginning, but the sooner you can start thinking about it, this is what builds your business and makes those you know I mean, foundations solid, is really thinking about your productivity and your profitability. So you really need to get clear on your revenue goals. You really need to be able to set your income targets that are going to push you forward. And you need to be able to master your schedule and staying on top of your priorities without stressing about them. And so one of the things I use is a tool called Toggle, and I track all of my time. And by tracking my time, I'm able to understand what activities are my best ROI activities and what activities I need to start outsourcing. By also being able to track my revenue goals, I know every single do you know what I mean, month, are we on track this month or are we off track? Now, again, I know these things aren't do you mean typically in the forefront of those businesses that are first starting, but the sooner you can understand your productivity levels and your profitability levels, it is going to allow you to make bigger and better decisions to move your business forward. Because without the data, without the numbers, and without knowing where your time allocation is, it's going to be very hard to understand who you hire, who you don't hire, how much advertising you do, how much advertising you don't. So again, productivity and profitability are my profit pillar number seven. And I think, Ange, that 
a lot of people just don't know their numbers and don't track. And it's something that is pretty simple to do. It can take a little bit of time just to check in like every week or every month and actually write down like what's working, what's growing, where are your numbers at across your business? And actually it's like that saying what you focus on expands. And if you have no idea, then that's pretty scary. But if you actually can be across your numbers, that's when you have power and you can actually grow. Amen. And it's one of those things like, again, if you're looking at bringing on a new program or whatever, for example, I've run my 12 month, my mastermind, my one-to-one and my retreat. But with my accountant and with being able to look at our numbers, we can go, actually, do we keep doing the retreat or is it not profitable? Is it not bringing in ROI, right? So you can then start to assess what programs or courses or services you might need to let go of, including products. If it's an e-commerce business, what ones you double down on, because that's where you're going to see the growth. But without having that data in front of you, you're not able to make informed decisions. Well, Ange, thank you so much for sharing these these strategies with us. I've loved chatting with you and I know it's going to be super helpful. Please tell us where we can find you. Yes, I would love for those who are out there going like, okay, this is a lot, you know, and I understand it can be a lot. But what I found in time is if you don't give the big picture, I think it's misleading to businesses. So I know it's a lot to take in, but chunk by chunk, little by little, you know, you will get there with your business again with these seven profit pillars. But for those of you that would like to connect, I'd love for you to connect just by heading to my website, AngelaHenderson.com.au. And from there, you can choose to join my Facebook group. You can choose to listen to my podcast. You can choose to check out the retreat or whatever you know you need or however you consume information. I'll let you go there. But the destination to go is AngelaHenderson.com.au. Well, thank you so much, Angela, a busy woman. I know you're off to another uh, session now. So thank you for making time to be on the show. And I look forward to speaking with you soon. Great. No worries. Have a great day, Em. Thanks. See ya. Thank you for listening to The Emily Osmond Show, brought to you by my Instagram freebies, which you'll find at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave me a review, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media, and tag me at Emily Osmond so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.